our spiritual walk, we sometimes need help knowing how to do certain things. This is also true in prayer. Today, we're learning how to effectively pray. This message is the fifth in the series, The Way to Pray. The message is entitled, Start with Yes. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles. You want to get and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're involved in a summer series of messages called The Way to Pray. And I want to talk this weekend about starting out your prayers with a yes. Starting out your prayers with a yes. I think all of us have had moments before where we knew what we wanted to do or what we wanted to have happen at a certain phase or point of our life, but we didn't quite know how to make it happen. See, a what is different than a how. This past week, as I was uh, trying to find a particular application for a software application for my computer, actually for my iPad, I was, I was going through, I knew what I wanted this application to do. And so I started doing some searches for different apps that did different things. And I found several that said they would do what I wanted them to do. And so I sort of looked at the different options and figured out I'd take a look at three or four of them to see which ones would be the best and downloaded them, at least the trial versions of them, to check them out. And uh, after downloading them, started going through them. And I knew again there was the advertisement of what these apps would do. But what I found out very quickly was although they said they would do certain things, how you got them to do them was different. And some of the apps were very difficult. You could not figure out to save your life how to get them to work. And others were more simply laid out. And you could kind of figure out how the process worked a bit more intuitively. But I found that struggle between what I wanted and knowing how to get it done. And in all of our lives, we find situations where we're wanting something and we know what we want, but we don't quite know how to get what we want. When it comes to prayer, we all know what we want from prayer. What we want from prayer is we want God to answer. We want God to respond to our prayers. We want God to say yes, God to engage us, God to work, God to do things in our lives. And so when we pray, we don't worry so much about the what. We know the what. The issue is how. How do we actually pray in such a way so that what we want from prayer actually happens? There was a time in the life of Jesus' ministry, earthly ministry, and with his disciples, when one disciple, having watched Jesus pray many, many times and seeing many, many answers to Jesus' prayer, this disciple boldly came to the Lord and said, Lord, teach us to pray like you, like you pray. We want to know how to pray the Jesus way. And Jesus gave to this disciple and to all the disciples, and it's recorded for our instruction as well, something called the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer, the believer's prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6, and we started the study of this a couple of weeks ago. I want us to continue in this theme. We'll be doing so for the rest of the summer together. I'm going to ask you to read verses 9 and 10 of Matthew chapter 6 with me. Let's read it aloud and loudly together. Here we go. We're reading from the New International Version, so everybody read. Here we go. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus said, now you've asked me how to pray my way. This then is how you should pray. Not what you should pray or what you want to happen when you pray, but this is 
how you are to pray. And Jesus lays out what we know to be, again, the Lord's Prayer. Now, most of us, if not all of us, have memorized this. You can probably rattle off these words in about 30 seconds or so because we've memorized them. They are something that are fairly, would be fairly deeply ingrained in us. Was Jesus simply giving to us a prayer to memorize? Was he saying, hey, say these words sort of like a magical incantation, and if you say this, everything will be okay? No, that's not what Jesus was talking about at all. He said, this is how you pray. And he began to outline for us what I'm calling patterns or principles of prayer. That he's saying, in the context of your prayer life, this is how you ought to pray. This is, these are the things that need to be a part of your prayer journey. We talked last week about starting with the honoring of God's name, our Father, knowing and having a personal relationship with God, that prayer is about a relationship. It's not about religion. So you have to know God as your Father. You'll never pray the right way until you know God as your father through a relationship with Christ. No, it's not about a religious work that you do and you come to honor him and honor and glorify his name. Hallowed be your name. And we talked about all the different names of God that when you name the name of God, you're understanding something about his nature, something about his character, who he is. And then he says, now after praying our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, I want you to learn to pray like this. Pray your, this God's kingdom come. Lord, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. Where? On earth, just like it's done in heaven. And now we're learning something about what prayer really is all about, the Jesus way to pray. And Jesus says, when you begin your prayers, as you begin to intercede, as you begin to ask God for things, after you've honored his name, then you ask starting with a yes. It starts with an orientation of a yes in your heart toward God. And I'll explain that more in just a moment. But our prayers begin not with a no, but our prayers, our petitions begin with a yes. Let's see what we're talking about there. Let me share with you three things that will help you understand what we're talking about and what Jesus was helping us to understand about prayer. Number one, Jesus is saying to be able to say yes to God, you've got to see the big picture. To start your prayers the right way, you've got to see the big picture of prayer. When you and I pray, our tendency is, as soon as we enter into prayer, is to focus really on our problems, to focus on our pain, to go right to the real stuff of our own life. Are you, are you like me? Is that what you tend to do? Oh God, thank you for this day, and by the way, let me tell you all my problems. And we enter right into maybe a very quick thanking God, maybe a little bit of worship, but we immediately dive into telling God the stuff that we need to have happen in our life, where we're hurting, the challenges we're facing, etc. And Jesus said, no, 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 don't start your prayer that way. Don't start your prayer with you. Start your prayer with Him. Start out by understanding there's a bigger picture here than you when you're praying. And in fact, he says, understand that when you're praying, there's a, there's a kingdom thing going on. You, you need to start your prayers with this petition, this request. God, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. So what is, what is Jesus talking about? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Well, we understand kind of the will part, but what about the kingdom part? The word kingdom in the original language is a word that basically means rule or authority. It's not, we often think of kingdom as some country or nation somewhere, and, and in a biblical sense, the kingdom, the concept of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is where God rules, is where His authority has been established. That is, any place where God is ruling, there you find His kingdom. 
And where God is not ruling, there is the absence of His kingdom. And so to say your kingdom come, we're actually saying, God, we're asking that you would come and rule, that is, have your authority done in a realm of the earth, and your will, that is, your volition, your plans, your initiatives be done on earth just like they're done in heaven. Now, would you agree that whatever God wants done in heaven gets done? Amen? God doesn't have to sit around and coax the angels and say, hey, please, please do this. No, He gives an order, and everything that He orders in heaven is done exactly according to His Word and according to His will. And so Jesus said, when you begin to pray, pray like this. Understand, see the big picture of prayer, and the big picture of prayer involves a conflict of kingdoms and a conflict of wills. That when you pray, you're actually engaging, listen closely here, you're actually stepping onto a battlefield and you're engaging in a battle, a battle of kingdoms. You're entering into something that's bigger than just the issues of your own life. Now, please notice, according to the Scripture, there are two kingdoms that exist, two very real yet invisible kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan or the kingdom of darkness. We, when we are disobeying God, are walking according to the kingdom of darkness. When we obey God, we're walking according to the kingdom of God or the kingdom of light. Now, notice what the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Stop there for a moment. It's good to know there's some things we used to live in, some things we used to do that we don't do anymore. Hallelujah for that. Amen? There's some stuff you used to be and some stuff you used to do that's just not you anymore. You look back and say, I can't believe I used to be that person. But thank God I'm not that person anymore. So Paul says, there was a time that you were dead in your transgressions, your sins, and what you used to live. Now, please notice next what he says. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul says, before you met Jesus, you were living in subjection to another kingdom, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of God. He said, well, I don't, I don't remember ever saying to Satan to have his will or kingdom in my life. Well, you didn't have to. You were born oriented towards sin. You were born oriented toward doing the wrong thing instead of the right thing. And so we have what's called original sin. Every person that is ever born is born under the curse of sin. That's why we need redemption or salvation to be purchased out of or born again out of sin into the new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Notice Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. For he, speaking of Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion. You can include there the word kingdom, from the kingdom or the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. So when you and I met Jesus, we were brought out of the dominion or kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, aren't you glad that we made the transfer, right? One kingdom to another. Now, these kingdoms are invisible. You can't see them, but just because you can't see them does not in any way mean they're not real. They're very, very real kingdoms, and they're people today who are living under the influence of one or the other. Every person here in this room today and every person hearing my voice, you're living under the rule of one of these two kingdoms, whether you acknowledge it or not. You're either living under the rule of God 
his kingdom, his rule, his will, or the kingdom of Satan that is his rule, his kingdom, his will, that includes your own will as well, selfishness and sin. Now, all this, I don't have time to go into all this in in detail, but it goes back to the time when Lucifer fell uh, from heaven. God cast him out because he'd rebelled against God. And when he was cast out, cast down to earth, from that time forward, Satan began to establish, try to rule in the earth. That's why he shows up as the serpent in Genesis chapter 3 and coaxes and deceives Adam and Eve into sin and draws them from life to death into the kingdom of darkness. Now, these two kingdoms, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, they're, they're perpetually in conflict. Light does not get along with darkness, right? They cannot exist together. The basic definition of darkness is the absence of light, and the basic definition of light is the absence of darkness. And so there is no commingling, if you will, of light and darkness as either one or the other. And so there's a battle that goes on. There's a conflict that exists between these two kingdoms, this cosmic battle, invisible battle that is very real that's going on right now for some of you right here in this place today, a battle going on in your head and your heart and your mind between two kingdoms. Will I live for God or will I live for myself or live for my flesh or live for the ways of the world, which all come under the category of darkness and Satan. Now, Paul made it very, very clear. By the way, let me stop for a moment. Everybody with me so far? If you are, shake your head. If you're not, come back at 11. You'll get it again, all right? (laughs) Paul describes it here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this conflict that's going on. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, that word also mean our, means our wrestling. It's a word that was used to describe sort of a hand-to-hand combat. For our struggle, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this. What's the next word there? dark, dark world against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. And so Paul says there's this battle that goes on. And listen, every time you kneel down to pray, every time you open up your mouth to pray, every time you speak out a prayer to God, you have just stepped onto a battlefield and you've just engaged in a, in a, in a cosmic battle between life and darkness. Write this down in your notes. Prayer is one of the ways or the main ways that God advances His kingdom rule in our world and gets His will done in our world. So when you pray, you're stepping in and saying, we don't want darkness anymore. We're asking for God's light to come. We don't want man's will, our will to be done. We're asking that God's will be done in this situation. So again, write it down. When you pray, what's the big picture? Prayer is one of the main ways God advances his kingdom rule in our world and gets his will done in our world. If you want to see God rule in your marriage, what do you need to be doing for your marriage? If you want God's will to be done with your kids, what must you be doing for your kids? If you want God's kingdom to advance in your workplace, what must you do? See, if you're not praying, there's not an advancing. There's a reason that a lot lot of places, a lot of circumstances and situations, the reason they are the way they are is because nobody's praying. 
The reason they are the way they are is because God's not, in, God's not being invited to come in with His rule, with His authority, and with His will to be established in that situation. I love what William Cowper says. He is a great hymn writer. He made this statement. He says, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint on his knees. That something begins to happen in the spiritual realm when you and I kneel down and begin to pray. Here's the big picture of prayer. That when you and I start praying, we start taking ground from the devil. When you and I start praying, we start dethroning demonic forces. When you and I start praying, it begins to shatter spiritual chains. When you and I start praying, it begins to set captives free. When you and I start praying, something happens in the invisible realm. Jesus said, when you pray, see the big picture. Pray this way. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, advance your rule in this world. Advance your will in this world. The second thing to understand about prayer and getting this big picture and understanding that it starts with the yes is to commit to cooperate with God. Commit to cooperate with God. In any enterprise or any organization or any group, the goals or the advancing of that organization or enterprise requires people that cooperate. And you and I will choose in life whether to be cooperative or uncooperative. And when it comes to good things, it's always better to be cooperative, isn't it? In fact, parents would just be thrilled if their children would simply be cooperative. That when you ask them to clean their room, they would say, oh, sure, I'll be glad to do that, okay? In fact, I'll get started right now, okay? that were to happen, lots of 911 calls would go out. So many heart attacks. You mean now? Yeah. But we long for, when we're leading something, what do we long for? We long for those that we're leading to be cooperative. It's true in the family. It's true in business. It's true in every. It's also true in the kingdom. When God says, I have a rule that I want to establish. I have a will that I want to get done. And if we're going to do it, I need you to cooperate with me in the process because God is looking for cooperative kids. Amen? God's looking for kids that say, oh, oh you got something you're up to, God? I'm on with you, man. I'm with it. Let's go for it. Oh, you're doing something, God? I'm in. I'm all in, God. Yes. Don't even have to tell me what it is before you tell me. Eh, yes. I'm on board, God. I've signed up. I'm with you in the process. And so for anything, any advance of God to occur, not only do we pray it, we have to engage by cooperating with it. Are you with me? So you can't pray effectively for God's kingdom to come in some realm and you not be willing to cooperate with the process. Oh, God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done with my wife. I pray you'd bless her and help her to be the nicest wife, the sweetest wife in the world. I have no plans to change myself, but God, I'm asking you to change her, okay? You understand what I'm saying there? When you start praying, may God's kingdom come and God's will be done. God says, are you signed up? God says, okay, you want it there, but are you on board with this? Have you made the decision that you're going to cooperate with me as well? See, for the advance of God's kingdom and the fulfilling of God's will, we have to be yes people. Yes people. Let's go back to Matthew 6, verse 10. Listen to what it says. Your 
kingdom come and your will be done where? doesn't need to be done in heaven it's already being done there on earth as it is in heaven now there's some questions that have to be answered when you start praying this way and on the notes you're gonna find three questions that you have to answer if you're going to pray this this yes oriented prayer let's read it read these three together first of all I have to answer the question here we go who and what or what is going to rule me my thoughts my attitudes, my relationships. So as you begin to pray, God, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first question you have to ask yourself is, okay, who's, who or what's going to rule me? Okay, Is it going to be God or darkness, light or darkness? My attitudes, my thoughts. Second of all, what kingdom? Read it with me. What kingdom will I live for? I've got to make a decision which side I'm going to be in on this thing. I've got to make some choices about myself. And then number three, together, what kingdom will I allow to control my life? See, it's one thing to pray for God's kingdom to come and His will to be done when you're having your prayer time. It's another thing about two hours later when you're being tested, right? When you're in the midst of a temptation, you again have to say, okay, all throughout my day and now throughout my life, I'm going to choose now that when, a, when the opportunity comes up to go light or darkness, I'm always going to light. I'm going to make a choice to go in that direction. doesn't mean you'll not, you'll not fail along the way, but your orientation is to go toward light instead of darkness. Now, Jesus himself set the pattern for us. He didn't just tell us how to pray. He showed us how to do it. See, Jesus practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. When Jesus was facing the most difficult moment of his life, would anyone remember what the most difficult moment for Jesus' life would have been? When he's going to go to the cross, Right? He's got to be crucified. And it's going to be horrible, not just physically, but it's going to be extremely painful spiritually because God is going to place all the sins of the world, every sin that has ever been committed and ever will be committed until this world is wrapped up. Every sin, the punishment for every sin ever committed would be placed on who? On Jesus. The punishment for that. Think about that for a moment. I mean, I just think about my own sin being put on him. That, that's horrible enough. But every sin for every person who has ever lived or ever will live, Jesus knew he was going to have to face the punishment for that. He knew that he would hear his father say, that he, he would experience the, the moment where he would have to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He would experience that forsaken moment. He did not, he did not look forward to the cross in the sense of, 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 of wanting to do it in terms of his physical nature. And in the night before he was crucified, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's there doing what he's asking us to do. He's praying. Notice Matthew 26, verse 39. He's now in the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives going a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Here's his prayer, okay, facing this difficult moment. Read it with me. My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Are you, are you getting this? So here is Jesus giving us the example of saying yes of embracing God's kingdom and God's will in a difficult moment. That's what made Jesus' prayers so powerful. And our prayers are only powerful when we are willing to say yes to God ourselves. You can't say no to God in your own personal life and expect your prayers to be powerful for other people. Got really quiet just then, okay? Do I need to say that again? You can't be saying no to God in your own life 
and expect your prayers for other people or other circumstances to be powerful. See, there's a synchronization here. The synchronization is, yes, we want God's kingdom to come and His will to be done outside of the context of us, but where does it start? It starts within the context of our own lives. It starts with saying yes to God. Now, here's how I like to think of it. I like to think of it this way. That when you start your prayers out, and actually in the way you live your life with God, is that you are willing to give God a blank sheet of paper with your life. That's what it means to let God's will be done. I'm just going to ask you to envision with me for a moment. This is a completely blank sheet of paper. I know it's got writing on the back side, but just ignore that, okay? This is assume it's a blank sheet of paper. And when you kneel down to pray, you come to God and say, God, I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life, which means this. It means I'm going to give you a blank sheet of paper and you get to fill it out. Now, see, that's very different, really, than how we live. We often fill out our paper. God, there you go. Right? My kingdom come, my will be done. Do you know, when you pray, give me a blank sheet of paper. You don't get to fill it out. You don't get to have the ideas about how you think your life ought to be and how you think your life ought to go and what you think your life ought to look like. You don't even have the prerogative, if you're going to submit yourself to me, God says, you don't even have the prerogative to determine how you think you can best serve me. No, what I want is you to give all that up, lay all that aside, and just give me a blank sheet of paper and let me do the fill. I'll give it back to you piece by piece. I will not give you the whole picture. I'll give it back to you one step at a time, but I just want you to give me the blank sheet of paper. And so when you kneel down to pray, before you start praying, God's kingdom to come and His will to be done and your wife, your husband, your kids, and all this, you got to say, okay, first of all, did I say it for me? Did I give God a blank sheet of paper for my own life? In fact, for some of you, one of the greatest things you can do to get in this pattern is when you start to pray every day and spend some time with God in prayer, take a blank sheet of paper with you just as a quick reminder. Am I willing to let God fill my paper out or do I want to fill it out myself? And I will tell you that when you get honest about this, you'll realize how many things you've put on your piece of paper and how oftentimes you want to wrestle with God about what He wants to write on your paper versus what you want to write on your paper. And that's where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, if it be possible, I'd like to fill out my piece of paper. If it be possible, would you let this cup, this, this crucifixion thing pass for me? And can, you, can you see Jesus struggling? He wants to write it down. He wants to say, God, let's do it this way, God. If it be possible, let's just let this cup pass. But Jesus said, no, 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 not my will, but your will be done. And folks, I want to tell you, that's a powerful way to start praying. That's how you say yes to God, not knowing what yes means. Before you even understand what yes means, it means you've said yes to God. Let me take you to the third point, and then I'll explain more about this blank sheet of paper. Here's your third point. Write it down. You've got to believe God for the best. How can you give God a blank sheet of paper with your life? The only way you can give God a blank sheet of paper with your life is you have to believe that God knows best. Amen? 
Charles, can I use you just for a second? Come on up here. That's my buddy Charles. How you doing? Good to see you. Good. Let's say that I'm going to say to Charles, Charles, man, I, wanna, I, I just want you to plan my life for me, okay? I'm going to give you my piece of paper, okay? And you just fill it out. Whatever you write on that piece of paper, I'm going to do, all right? Now, for me to be able to give Charles that piece of paper and just say, hey, whatever, Charles, you want to write down, hey, good with me, yes. Before you even write it down, yes. Charles could write down, okay, give me your house, your car. You know, he could write down all kind of stuff, right? I don't know what he's going to write down, correct? The only way that relationship is going to work is I have to, what's the key word? I got to trust, right? I've got to trust that Charles loves me that Charles is wiser than I am, that Charles wants what's best for me, okay? And until I really trust, I'm not going to give the paper to him, okay? I'm going to keep it myself, okay? Thank you, Charles. No, you cannot have my house, okay? That's the key with God. You can't give God your sheet of paper unless you trust him. And so the issue really is not your will first. The issue is your trust. It is your ability to say, God, I don't want to plan my own life. I think I have some ideas about how I want my life to be, but it really doesn't matter to me, God. What I know is I know you know better than I do. You're wiser than I am. And so, God, I trust you. I blindly trust you. Because God is supreme, folks. God is the almighty God. God is wiser than you will ever come close to scratching the surface of being. He sees the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. He's the omnipotent, amazing God. And so you and I can, he loves you, and you and I can come to him and say, God, here's my paper because I know you know what is best for me. So God, you fill it out. When I was... It's one of the biggest struggles that I had early on in my Christian experience, especially as a kid. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor, retired now, and so I, I was in church all the time. And one of the things that would often happen in the church that uh, we were a part of is that we would have missionaries that would come in uh, from time to time throughout the year. And as missionaries would come in, they would have the Sunday service and they would tell their stories about what went on in, in their mission service. And they're, they're usually somewhere halfway around the world in some place that is really removed from, uh, from, from population, and so they're telling the stories about the difficulties they've experienced and the weird food they have to eat and all this stuff, and they end their services, how many of you want to give your lives to the will of God? And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to do that, okay? I don't want to go those far places. I don't want to eat that strange food. I don't want to have to do that, God. And so I felt this fear on the inside. And I was gripped for a number of years with fear. What, what am I, what's going to happen if I give God my paper, okay? What will he put? I mean, he, he may send me to some place that I don't want to go. I may have to eat really weird food for the rest of my life and marry somebody that's really ugly or something like that. I don't know, okay? <laughs> what is it going to mean, okay, to give God this piece of paper? And I struggle with that, wanting to say yes to God. I'll remember the day. I had some success in it throughout my, my teenage years, but I was, I was really struggling with this, this giving God completely my paper. And as, as I was thinking about my future and had some plans of what I wanted to be professionally and all those kinds of things, I remember the day that I came to that moment with God. I was riding in my car, heading to my college campus after a weekend away. I was heading back home that Sunday night. I remember 
finally coming to the place where I gave God my paper. And I said, God, I don't care what you do with my life. I really don't care if my life looks significant or insignificant. I don't really care what it looks like, God. Here's my paper. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in my life. And I cannot tell you the moment, the, 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 the resolve, the resolution that, that, that came to me and the peace that flooded my soul because I didn't have any agenda anymore. Folks, only tell, it's a beautiful day when you give up your agenda. I think, I think I need to say that again. It's a beautiful day when you give up your agenda, okay? Because you stop trying to manipulate God and you stop trying to control other people. You stop, all kind of stuff happens in your life when you give up your agenda. Say, okay, okay, here's my paper. And it's the pathway to peace. So you can't pray the Jesus way until you start the Jesus way, Right? Here's my paper. Now, will you ever regret giving Jesus your paper? Will you ever regret giving God a blank sheet of paper? No. You will never regret giving God your, your, your sheet of paper. Why? Because he knows what's best for you. Let's go back to Jesus for a moment. Did Jesus regret his prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Remember, he gave God the paper. Did he regret that? No. Did God disappoint him? No. Did he go through some pain? Yes. But did he win in the end? Go to Philippians chapter 2. I want to show you what happened to Jesus when he gave God his piece of paper. Everybody still with me? Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So Paul says, Let, let's, let's put the spotlight on Jesus for a moment. Let's take a look at what he's really like. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. What was this mindset about? Who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming, what's the word there? Obedient to death, even death on a cross. When did Jesus become obedient to death and death on the cross? It wasn't on the cross. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he went to the cross. That's where he solved the issue. Jesus didn't struggle when he was on the cross. He saw the issue the night before he went to the cross. And the Bible says he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That is that moment, that night, God said, Jesus said, Hey, Father, here's my paper. You know what I'd like to see on my paper, but here's my paper, God. It's blank. You have your will, not mine. And notice what happened in the end. Therefore, I love the word therefore. Every time you see therefore in the Bible, you ought to ask, what is it therefore? Okay. Therefore is a link. Therefore, it's because of what just happened before it. Therefore, what did God do? God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Bible says, hey, 
He gave me his paper. He became obedient to death, even on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him and gave him a name above every name. And by the way, I am so glad that Jesus did what he did because not only did Jesus get exalted, but I got exalted with him. Amen? I've been brought into the kingdom through what Jesus did. Millions of people and billions of people through the years have found relationship with God because of the obedience of Jesus to the will of God. When Jesus gave the Father his blank sheet of paper, we all benefited from it. Amen? So how, does your prayer, how should your prayer start? No. When you pray, you say, Our Father, which art in heaven, honored be your name. I honor you, Lord. And I realize I'm in a battle here. I'm praying that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in earth just like it is in heaven. And God, I know it starts with me, and so I'm making the decision to be cooperative with you. God, here's my blank sheet of paper. I don't have any agenda. I'm giving my agenda up. I'm giving you the paper because I believe that what you have for my life is best. When you start your prayer that way, hey, watch out because amazing things are about to happen. Don't you love the Lord's Prayer? Isn't it good? It is so good. Let's pray together today. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we have of studying your word. What a joy it is to see the riches of your word. God, your word is so incredible. It is so deep and full of riches for us. And we're thankful today as we've studied that you've fed us from the word of God. But Lord, we know that feeding is not enough. We, we want to be people that live out, Lord, what you've, you've spoken to us. And I pray for every person here today. I pray, oh God, that you'd help us to to give you a blank sheet of paper today, God, and let you fill it out. I pray that where we've had our own agendas and we've had our own plans, we've had our own ideas about how our life should be or how we should do this or that or the other thing, even ideas we've had about serving you, God, all those things need to be laid aside. God, today we say, here's the blank sheet of paper, God. Whatever you want to write there is okay with us. And Lord, we know that we can trust you to put exactly what is right for our lives on that piece of paper. Lord, help us to pray each day this way, the Jesus way. Hi, I'm Pastor Dale O'Shields. I want to thank you for listening to our broadcast of Practical Living. I trust it was a blessing to you, and I trust that you're growing in your spiritual journey. Or perhaps you've never even started your spiritual journey, and today this is your opportunity to make a decision to move forward getting to know Jesus Christ, letting Him have control of your life. See, the Bible says of Jesus that He stands at the door and knocks, and if anyone will hear His voice, you can open that door and let Him in. And if you've never invited Jesus Christ into your life, today is the day that you need to do it. In fact, I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you'll pray this prayer sincerely with all your heart, mean it with all your heart, Jesus Christ will come into your life. Repeat this prayer after me. Say these words. Say, Jesus... I know that I am a sinner and I'm sorry for all the things I've done wrong in my life. I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior of the world, that you died for me and rose again. Just simply tell Jesus, I believe in you. Now open up your heart and say, Jesus, come into my life. By faith, I receive you as my Savior, my Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Now, if you prayed that prayer with me just then, sincerely, I want you to know something. Jesus heard it, and He saved you. You're a new creation in Christ. You get a brand new start in your journey with God. But now you have to grow. You have to learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus every day. And so we want to help you get started. And we have some resources available on our website that will do so called New Beginnings. So check them out. And again, I want to thank you for being a part of today's broadcast. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.